0: So, Reg, if we come up with a new way to do the Friendly's Church song, yeah, yeah, what, what, huh? We got, we can't touch, we can't touch anymore. That was part of it, but we gotta still infuse the Friendly's Church song. And how we do it? Is it reggae or kind of jazzy or what? It's got to be something. Yeah, I hear. I hear T over here teeing it up, teeing it up. Uh, T over here teeing it up. Yeah. We got to figure out some kind of way with a a wave or something, we got to be able to do something. Yeah. Well, it's been a long time since we've had the opportunity to uh, celebrate that way with our members, but we're so glad that the time is drawing now everywhere I go. Number one question on the lips and tongues of pastors I see is, y'all back yet? When y'all going back? That's all folks keep talking about now. So not only is there excitement in our church congregation, there's excitement in the community about things returning to a different state. Can I tell you, it's never going to go back to the way it was in the beginning of March in 2020. That's That's over. We have a new paradigm. There's a new situation, which is great, because we can make it what we want. Yeah, it doesn't have to be stuck on the old structure. We can make it what we want, and I'm so excited about how it's developing. Two things you need to bring, you and your faith. If you bring both of those things, then everything will work out all right. The Lord will take care of the rest of it. He'll meet you here and help us get the service just where it needs to be. Um, we started a week or so ago about a, a sermon series concerning fatherhood. Fatherhood. Deciding that we were going to choose some members of some, some individuals in Scripture who reflect the themes of what good fathers do. And last week we talked about um, a silent witness for fatherhood. And that was someone who had a big presence in Jesus' life. But he never said a word in scripture. never was recorded in scripture as having said a word. And that's Joseph, his earthly father. He's the man who raised Jesus and gave Jesus all the guidance that he needed. And um, just as Mary was selected by the Lord to be the mother of Jesus Christ, so too people often forget this. Joseph was selected to be his earthly father. And it's all because of the kind of man that Joseph was, the kind of man that helped Jesus Christ become the, the, the man he, he ultimately became. And so today, we're going to switch tracks. Most of the time when we start talking about fathers, we start, we talk, start talking about it from a male perspective. I want to switch tracks a little bit this week, and we've got an individual in scripture who I think represents a couple of things. One, he's not biological father but he was a father. And two, he was tasked with raising a young lady. And so if you would, if you have in your Bible, just go and stick a pen and you you're going to take a minute to find this if you're in your physical Bible. Esther, the book of Esther, chapter two. Yes, and we're going to stick a pen in verses five through seven. Esther, chapter two. It's an awesome responsibility to raise a child, we know that. Boys and girls, however, require different tactics. If you've ever had the opportunity as a parent to raise them, you know that they each require different things. You got to be deliberate in your parenting when it comes to to both of them. Every right-thinking man that I've met believes that his little princess, that his little girl is a little princess. Every man I know, that's, that's my little princess right there. But if that's the truth, and I believe it is, that your little girl is a little princess, then you must be deliberate about raising your little princess to one day be a queen. All right? There's something you have to put in place in order for the little princess to one day be a queen. One of the problems today is too many children are not prepared by their parents to be kings and queens. Too many kings find themselves married to a princess. Y'all didn't hear me when I said that. Too many kings find themselves married to a princess. And too many queens find themselves married to a prince, and unfortunately some of them find out they've married the court jester. All because somebody didn't prepare them the way they are. The difference between a princess and a queen is one word, responsibility. Responsibility is the difference between a princess and a queen. A queen is supposed to utilize the lessons learned as a princess in order to become an effective ruler, leader. I'm going to say this, somebody's going to be mad to you, but you can't stay a princess forever. You cannot stay a princess forever. So our message today comes in reference to a man who is, I think, one who got it right. His name is Mordecai. His name is Mordecai. Mordecai, we find immediately in scripture, is the one who was tasked and identified by the Lord to raise a young lady into a princess, into a queen. Let me read it for you. Starts out, verse 5, chapter 2. Now, there was a Jew. In Susa, the citadel, whose name was Mordecai. And Mordecai's father was named Jair. Mordecai's grandfather was Shimei. And Mordecai's great-grandfather was Kish. But what's more important is the next part of the scripture. He was a Benjamite. All right? Why is that important? Because being a Jew at this time is crucial to the story. And he was a Benjamite who had been carried away from Jerusalem among the captives carried away when Jeconiah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had carried away. So let me stop and tell you, give you a point of reference. You know, when King Nebnim came in and the Babylonians took all the young Jewish folk, you remember they got, they got Daniel, they got the three boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. All right? Well, so too was Mordecai part of that taking away. All right, so those are his contemporaries. Mordecai, it said, according to verse 7, he was bringing up, it just slides it in there, he was bringing up Hadassah. That is Esther, the daughter of, watch this, the daughter of his uncle, for she had neither father nor mother." Oh, there's a whole lot in there. Whole lot in there. The young woman had a beautiful figure and was lovely to look at. And when her father and her mother died, Mordecai, watch this, took her as his own daughter. First thing we see right out of the bat in this scripture is that Mordecai is a faithful guardian faithful guardian, y'all. Yeah, he's a faithful guardian. The Bible says he was caring for. I love that terminology, emphasizing that Mordecai's role as guardian of Esther was one of primary responsibility. And the the verse emphasizes, can we walk a little little bit on this, that Esther's parents were dead. Can you imagine the emotional upheaval that's going on in this young lady? She's lost not only her mother, but she's lost her father too in her formative years. And nobody was there who was going to pick up the slack until her cousin, Mordecai, comes along. And we can assume a whole lot of things from the passages we read in the scripture. First of all, Mordecai obviously didn't have any other children because none of them are ever mentioned. And not only did he not have any other children, it doesn't even appear that Mordecai had a wife. And yet Mordecai, who was her first cousin, yeah, he was the son of her father's brother, all right, which made them first cousins. Yeah, The Bible says he was, he was the son of Esther's uncle, which would have me, which would mean they were first cousins. But he was one of them, y'all know y'all got this in the family. he was one of them old cousins. Yeah, old enough to have been her parent. Because that's how it was back in the day. You know, sometimes folk would have two families. They have a young family, an old family. They would. Through whatever reason, maybe somebody passed away or something. But there was a remarriage. But anyway, this man could have done a whole lot of things different, y'all. He could have. She was young enough to be his child, even though he didn't have any kids. And watch this, Richard. He adopted her. He didn't have to do that. He, he, he didn't have to. There are a whole lot of things he could have said, y'all. He could have said, I'll find somebody else. He could have said, there's another member of the family who has other children for her to be raised in. He could have saved a lot, said a lot of these things. But he decided that he was going to take on the responsibility of raising Esther. I don't think y'all understand the psychological benefit that comes when somebody decides they want you. Not they got you. Not something happened. But I choose you. Do you know what that does to someone when someone says, I choose you. I'm willing to give you all that I have and bless you with all that I have. I, I choose you. Come on now, y'all know what I'm saying, because some kids don't even get that from their own biological parents. That they, that you are my choice. They hear tones all the times of, well, it just happened. And then it was you. It's not as if I wanted you. And that's why I tell people all the time, a child who is adopted is a child who's wanted. Okay. Right. And we always put a whole lot of emphasis on blood. And that is important but love is the imperative. Loving a child is crucial to their effective upbringing. And so here we have this young woman who has a couple of things going for her, and I want to straighten this out too. The Bible says that Esther is beautiful. And apparently Esther's beauty is, is otherworldly beautiful. I mean, she is she's clearly heads and tails her other friends but look she's beautiful and poor she's beautiful and is out of position can I tell you there's more to life than being cute if cute is all you got going for you then you're gonna be struggling all your life you got to have something else going for you other than cute and let me tell you this too about Esther And my wife loves this character. I think she's a favorite character in the Bible because of her Hebrew name. Her name is Hadassah, Hadassah. Hadassah is beautiful and even more so, it's a gift of God, her beauty. And it's intended, as you'll see as we talk about this, for a purpose. She's beautiful for a reason, not just because. because her beauty is going to get her foot in a door that her wits are going to keep open. That's what we find from Hadassah. Beauty might get you to a place, but good sense got to keep you there. That's what we're finding out in the story about her. The writer revealed that her nationality came through her lineage from her uncle. I mean, from her cousin, Mordecai. He reveals that from the beginning. He puts right at the beginning of it that Mordecai is a Jew, is a Benjamite, comes out of the tribe of Benjamin. And yet Mordecai, when he, when he adopts Hadassah, when he adopts Esther, I get the feeling that she probably didn't call him Uncle Mordecai or Cousin Mordecai. I think, you know, we, we often forget that these are just folks too. you think she maybe called him Uncle Morty or something like that. Because we often forget that these people love each other. And when we love people, we give them nicknames. And we we call them things that are affectionate. And this was his daughter. Everybody in the community knew that Mordecai's daughter was named Esther or Hadassah, they probably in the Benjamin community, in in the Jewish community called her Hadassah, Hadassah. But she went according to this scripture, and the book is so named, because being Esther, is what led to her significance in scripture. Morty told her not to let anybody know she was a Jew. This is important. Don't always give all your secrets away. That's not denying who she is. He didn't say he didn't tell her she couldn't be uh, proud of being a Jew. He didn't tell her that it was important that she understand her Jewish, Jewish heritage. He simply told her that there's a certain time you ought to wear your Jewish Lives Matter shirt. That's what he told her. And you shouldn't, it shouldn't be the first thing you lead with every time. You know, Hadassah, maybe you don't want to wear that today. Maybe you want to do something different because it's going to have some effect on you. He taught her that. Hadassah came up in a time when it was really, really hard for young women because they were treated as objects only. Only for the benefit of very wealthy men, people with means. They basically used them. Not only did they use them, they would rape them and take advantage of them, and there was hardly any recourse. And so for Hadassah to have the kind of beauty she had and yet be without a parent or guardian, she would have been in danger all of her life. She needed to have a benefactor, and that's why Mordecai is so important in her life, because not only did he become her provider, he became her protector. And he did that. He loved her. He was a faithful guardian to her. And I love this, because the first lesson we learn about fatherhood from Mordecai and his relationship with Hadassah or Esther is that good fathers keep deciding to be good fathers. Good fathers. Keep deciding to be good fathers. It's an everyday thing that you have to He chose to be her father and every day after that he chose to be the best version of a father he could be for her. He didn't know how to be one. He didn't have any experience with anyone. One would say he was practicing being a father on her and yet every day he got up trying to be the best version of a father he could be for Esther. Now, this applies across the board for male and female. Dad, we got to show up every day. We got to get up every day saying, today I'm going to give my team the best I can give them today. And the next day I'm going to do the same thing. And he did that. He said, I'm I'm not a good dad. I'm not even a good potential father. This is Mordecai. I, I can go find somebody else to do this. I'll send her to Jerusalem and get her out of this situation we're in. But that's not what he said. He said, I can raise this child. I can give her something that she doesn't have, and what I can give her is love. And I can love her through her life and bless her to have a better life than she would have. Can I tell y'all this? Nobody's prepared to be a father. Oh, no, no. If you happen to be there at the moment that they're born, then you realize the weight of the moment when that baby comes. And you realize that you have no idea what to do. I know they make it sound all cute on TV. They show the dad is downstairs waiting and pacing. What they do not show is the weight of the world on their shoulders. And them not even understanding how do we even deal with this little person when we get to the house. And yet, we show up. We learn what to do we figure out that we're not going to break them when we change their diaper. We realize that we don't have to, after a while, stay up all night to see if they're still breathing when they go to sleep. That frightening feeling. Everybody, every day that I know knows this feeling. When they come home and you keep looking at them all night, you're exhausted because they sleep so soundly you can't hear them. You can't hear them at all. When they lay on you, you're afraid to move because you don't, I mean, it's just hard. As validating as it is, it's hard. And then you wonder if you're going to be what that baby needs as a dad. I don't care how arrogant you are. You wonder if I'm going to be the one that's going to help you be the best version of you you can be. dad that goes through that. But then we can learn from Morde- Mordecai who didn't have those beginning relationships with the baby, who only got her after she had gotten to a certain point. And yet he stepped in and learned on the job. He was on the job training for real. And he decided that every day he was going to be the best dad that he could be. And that's what I came to share with you today, that if you want to be a good father, learn from Mordecai, show up every day, be a part of the situation every day. In fact, don't come in already with your preconceived notions of how things are going to be. You can learn from your child every day how to be a better father. And I can tell you this too as one who's raised too, that raising them required different skill sets. Yeah, the same thing that worked for one didn't work for the other. Some of that had to do with age. Some of it had to do with gender but it required different things for them. And I have had to learn to adapt in order to be what they needed me to be. How much did Esther love, I mean, did Mordecai love Esther? Well, let me give you a little historical background on it. It seems that there was a king, King, uh, the king's wife had, the current queen had made him mad. I'm just going to cut to the chase on this. He made her mad, Queen Vashti was her name. She got too arrogant and assumed too much with the king and and offended him, and basically he fired her as the queen. He fired her, and he walked around in depression because his queen was gone, and a queen, and a king needs a queen of the kingdom. And he didn't know what to do, so one of the court Advisors told him to have his men go out into the countryside and search and bring the most beautiful women from all the provinces. Bring all of the beautiful women to them and basically have a, 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 a similar situation like American Idol. What it, really, that's what it was. They came in and auditioned to be the new queen. And of course, because Hadassah was so beautiful, when they went out and searched the countryside, she had to be in the group. And so she comes in with the rest of them, but because she's beautiful and kind and has personality, when she gets to the court with the rest of the young women, she quickly takes the notice of the people in charge. And they move her to the front of the line so that she can be seen by the king. Mordecai loves her so much that he gets a job in the king's court. He's a gatekeeper, and every day he walks by the place that they have all the young ladies so that he can keep an eye on his baby girl and know what's going on. This is how much he loves her. He continues, even though she's now in the court of the king, he still feels, I'm the protector. And he has to go and take care of her as best he can from a distance. Watch this now, it was no short time. Because the time period between Queen Vashti being exiled as queen and the king selecting a new queen was four years. Four years that he had to sit back and watch. Y'all know what it feel like when your baby get grown and she go take a job outside the city? Yeah. You know you're going to do everything you can to go there and help her. You're going to help her move in. You're going to help her do everything she can. Even though she's still trying to be grown, you're still trying to be daddy. That's just how it is. You're going to still try to protect and that's what Mordecai did. He was as present as he could be under the circumstances. Make a long story short, when Who Wants to Be the Next Queen show came on, guess who was selected as the new queen? Esther. But even being the queen now, I'm not going to even get into the details of the horror that they go through because basically this man just used those young ladies. He basically tried out one young lady a night until he found one he liked. And the ones he did not select, he cast aside. They could never be married to anybody else. They would become one of the king's concubines. It's not a good thing. It's not anything you want your daughter to be in. No matter how thrilling it might sound for the king, but it's happening every day. Oh, it's happening every day. It happens in the sports world, it happens in the entertainment world. Same thing is happening to young ladies. They get up, they get a chance to meet the superstar. He, he likes them or he doesn't, and when he casts them aside, they're mistreated or passed around to others until they do the same thing. The only problem is, these days, young ladies volunteer for it. Not something that just stopped back then. This is something that's still going on. There's more to life than being cute. You also got to have sense enough to know when somebody's taking advantage of you. And she was, in fact, chosen to be the queen. Mordecai still looked out for her, still communicated with her. The good thing about Mordecai is he taught her how to treat everybody good which means she was in good with all the court personnel, and that's who Mordecai communicated through. All the people who worked for the king were Mordecai's friends. And that's how he kept up with what his baby was doing. You see, a good dad is going to tell his daughter, know the CEO, but know the janitor too. And respect them the same way. Respect them the same way, you give that man who cleans up the building the same amount of respect as the man who makes the building run. Both of them are good folk. They just have different jobs in the organization. And that's what he taught Hadassah. And Hadassah brought that in, and that brings me to the next thing that good fathers do. First of all, a good father shows up every day and is intentional about being a good father. And secondly, children catch character from their fathers. They catch character from their fathers. You can't teach character, but you can show it. We're long past the time when you can say, do as I say. No, because kids are watching you, and they're going to do as you as you do, all right? So when you go through this, this whole, I advise you to read the entire book to get the entire perspective on this. Hadassah is the queen. That happens in chapter 2, but in chapter 3 we have a dramatic turn because someone plots to kill the king. And it just so happens that Uncle Mordecai overhears the plot to kill the king. He overhears it because he's working at the place where people talk a lot and that's at the gate. Y'all need to be careful when you walk out of the meeting talking because somebody's listening to you. Yeah, you mad, you know that meeting after the meeting? Yeah, the gatekeeper's standing there watching and listening and he hears those snippets and he realizes that two of the men who work in the inner chamber with the king are plotting to overthrow him. And so what does a man of good character who knows that his daughter's life depends on this information do? He go tell Esther. He goes to tell Esther and guess what Esther does? Esther tells the king. And the king investigates and finds out it's true and has those two men killed who were plotting to kill him. But he doesn't forget that Mordecai is the one that told him about it. And more importantly, you'll see written down in scripture that he records in the record of the court that Mordecai helped save the king's life. That's important because now Mordecai has favor with the king, but the king still doesn't know that his wife is a Jew. Still not time to tell that. Esther has found out I got to listen to my uncle, I got to do the things he taught me, and when the time is right, I will reveal all that I am to the king. But until then, I will just be the best version of a queen that I can be. I'll treat everybody right, I'll give everybody the respect that they need. I'll do for them what Uncle Mordecai taught me to do. Crisis reveals character, and it's because of that, it's because the king's attempted assassination was a crisis, Mordecai's character comes about. But Mordecai has an enemy in the community, and his name is Haman. And Haman does not like Mordecai because Haman is a small-minded, prejudiced young man. And he decides that because Mordecai won't give him the respect he's due, he's not going to take his bad thoughts out on Mordecai. He plots to have every Jew in the kingdom killed. But that's a problem. And when Mordecai finds out, and the reason he wants to have him killed is simply because like Daniel, Mordecai won't bow down to Haman when he walks past him. That's what it comes down to. When Haman comes walking past, everybody else bows down. Haman won't do it. It's something about them boys that came out of Jerusalem. They weren't going to bow down to a man. You know who I'm talking about. Daniel wouldn't bow down to a man. He got thrown in the lion's den. The three boys wouldn't bow down to a man. They got put in the fiery furnace. It's something about bowing down to men. These boys won't do it. Now we find Mordecai, the same Jew, at the same class. He won't bow down to a man because he won't. This man decides he's going to kill every Jew anywhere in the kingdom, and because he has the favor of the king, Haman Haman gets an order from the king to kill every Jew. Well, when Mordecai finds out about the order, he goes into mourning at the gate, goes into sackcloth, and he sits at the gate, and he's waiting until such a time as somebody can help him with the situation. Well, the queen finds out that Mordecai is at the gate in sackcloth and mourning, but that's her dad. And so she sends fresh clothes out and says, Daddy, please get up. What's wrong with you? He doesn't get up. So she sends another emissary out asking him, Mordecai, please tell Queen Esther what's wrong. And he sends the whole story into her, that Haman is trying to have us all killed. And Haman is trying to get rid of every Jew in the world. And it may be, dear Queen Esther, my daughter, that the whole reason for you becoming queen in the first place is not because you're beautiful. The whole reason for you becoming queen in the first place is not so you can live a life of splendor. The whole reason for you becoming queen in the first place is for such a time as this so you can save all the Jews from being killed. There's a purpose to your prosperity that has more than just your prophet. You're here for a reason. Being cute ain't everything. Yeah, the king picked you because you're cute. But what are you going to do with the position now that you have it? And when she finds out that Mordecai is struggling because all the Jews are facing elimination, he also sticks a pen in it. And he does what a dad is supposed to do. He says, Esther, Hadassah, I know you're doing well now. I know you got all these servants working for you right now. I know they're taking care of you right now. But don't think you're going to be protected as the queen when they find out you're a Jew too. They're going to get rid of you just like they get rid of everybody else. Use the position you have for the benefit." of somebody other than you, character is taught. I'm coming, character is caught, not taught. Character is caught, not taught. Just like you show me, you saw me show the king that somebody was about to kill him. Now it's your turn to go and tell the king that somebody's about to kill us. She couldn't do it though, there's a problem. Because the queen under the rules in the court could not go see the king unless the king bid her come. And the queen had not been bid to be come to talk to the king. But because he taught her, Mordecai taught her to have sense, she used her womanly ways. She just went outside one night. We don't know why the king couldn't sleep that night. And all she did was go out in the yard and just sit around for a little bit. And the king's up one night and he sees his beautiful queen out in the courtyard. She's using her sense. She's not trying to approach him because if she does, she'll be killed. She'll be killed. The guards will kill her. But all she does is simply go to the front and present herself as the beautiful woman she is, knowing she played it. Yeah, let's go ahead and say this now. She played him, she used his own wits against him. Oh no, she played him, but she used her sense. Too many times we rush in and try to do something when subtlety would do it better. And when the king looks over and sees her simply minding her business in her own porch, on her own porch, he beckons for the queen and she comes, which is her door, to go in and say, your Highness, I have a favor to ask you. And he tells her, you can have anything I have in this kingdom up to half the kingdom. All you have to do is ask. And instead of pouring it all on in one time, she says, I just want to have dinner with you tomorrow. That's all. Can we just have dinner together tomorrow? And the king says, I would love to dine with you at any time. And he brings her in. And they have a wonderful dinner together, and the king is just full of, she's using her wits. And at the end of the dinner, once again, he says, ask what you will, Hadassah, whatever you want. Just ask what you will, and it's yours, up to half my kingdom. And she says, I would just like to have another dinner with you tomorrow, and oh, by the way, can you bring Haman in for the dinner too? (laughs) Now, Haman is arrogant enough to think that he's coming to the dinner because the king loves him so much. But it's at that dinner that the next night, that Queen Esther comes in and says, my dear king, you've asked me to tell you what I want time and time again. And what I want for you to do, dear king, is make sure that nobody kills your queen who is a Jew. At that point, she reveals to him that she's a Jew. Someone has sought to eliminate not just your queen, the Jew, but every Jew that's in the kingdom. And of course, the king is livid because who would dare lay hands on his wonderful, beautiful queen? Subtlety, sense. And she said, well, the one who threatened to kill me and all the other Jews is sitting here at the table with us right now. And before the night was over, the same gallows that Haman had built to kill Mordecai and all the Jews, he swung from them that very night. And Esther had saved not only herself, but she had saved the entire Jewish remnant who was still available. Good fathers challenge their children to live for a purpose. When you're raising them, you tell them you're living for something bigger than you something greater than you. You may not have the opportunity to save a whole kingdom of people. It may be that you'll simply come up with the best remedy for a particular disease if you go to school. It may be that you're just the best mama you can be for your own children. You don't have to do great and mighty things. You can just be a good person. But your dad and your mama have to put that in you when you're younger so that you understand when you're older that life is about more than me. It's about somebody else. On the third day, verse 1 of chapter 5 says, on the third day, Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the king's palace in front of the king's hall. She was pretty for a purpose. She was pretty for a purpose. Can I tell you something? She was beautiful, but she didn't think so. She just thought she was Esther. In other words, who I am is more important than what I look like. And I'm going to make you respect me for who I am. What I bring to the table. Why? Because that was put in me all my life, not from my mama. I can't blame it on my mama or my daddy, but I had somebody who loved me named Mordecai, who taught me that I was built for such a time as this. My question to you today is, are you preparing your child for their such a time as this moment? Are you preparing your child to deal with the Haman's of the world they're running into? Because I guarantee you, your baby's going to run into a Haman somewhere. Your, your, your baby's going to run into a Haman who is a hater, who's going to try to stop them from doing what they're supposed to do, stop them from being who they're supposed to be. And all you've, if all you've done is prepared them to be the cutest in life, you have wonderfully underprepared them. For what life is going to bring them. Good fathers challenge their children. To live for a purpose. Good children catch. Character from good fathers. And so watch this and I'm out of here. Don't ever underestimate. The providence of God in situations. Don't ever do it. Yeah. Some of you. Have a Haman in your life right now. But God knows that. Oh, he knows that. He already knows exactly what's going on in your life. Somebody's a thorn in your flesh, but the story's not over. You gotta use what you've been taught. You gotta use what you caught from your folk. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, we talk about, we talk about folk living right, and we call it good home training. Good home training. But dad, can I tell you something? It's the same foundational, support you have in your life that you have to show your children they have to depend on. I'm going back to one place in the scripture. When Esther discovered that Haman wanted to kill all the Jews, she used something she had seen Mordecai do. She sent to Mordecai and told him, have all the Jewish people fast for the next three days and concentrate their prayers on what the Lord would have me to do to resolve the situation. And then she went in and fasted for three days. In other words, she used the same tools she had watched Mordecai do all his life in order to get out of the situation. They were all focused On a singular remedy and the providence of God came through and made everything work the way it's going to do. You have underprepared your child when you don't show them who you depend on when you have trouble. Because you're not going to always be around to help them get through the situation. But you can show them who you depend on which means you need to have your own relationship with the Lord that they see you exercising every single day, and when the time comes that they don't have you, they still have the Lord to depend on. That's important and critical. Never underestimate the providence of God. Never underestimate the influence of a good father. We're still helping folk every day. We might not have as much education as they might ultimately have, but we can teach them how to be smart. Yeah, we might not have the right vocabulary, but we can teach them how to be kind. We might not know the right people, but we can teach them we know the Lord and the Lord know everybody. Yeah, we might not be able to grab their hands and walk them into the building to try to get the job, but we can prepare them for the day that they walk in there. We can also let, also let them know that just as the Holy Spirit walks with us, that my, my presence is going to go with you everywhere you go. So when you walk in that office and you're sitting in there and you're the only one that look like you, you better know that your dad is standing in the corner smiling at you, cheering you on, telling you you can do this every single day. I can't imagine how many young ladies, how many princesses smile when they crossed the threshold and became a queen. And they realized that I'm not here because the king made me a queen. I'm here because my dad had taught me how to be a queen. I'm putting princes down today. And from now on I'm going to be the queen. I love this, I watch this and I'm out here. There's a show on Netflix called The Crown, and one of the first episodes of The Crown, the king is sick and is about to pass away. And his eldest child, Queen Elizabeth, well, Princess Elizabeth is the one who's going to ascend to the throne. It was a surprise for her to ascend to the throne because her uncle had been the one who had been tapped once the king got sick. But her uncle abdicated the throne. He couldn't handle the pressure of it, and besides, he had fallen in love with an American woman. And so he stepped down from the throne. And this young girl who has been living the life of a princess, in one moment becomes the queen when her daddy dies. And the guy who marries her, Prince Philip, the one who just died in England, there's a conversation recorded between her, between him and King Edward, his father-in-law. And she looks, he looks at her and he says, listen, don't mistake what's going on here. Your job is to take care of her. <laughs> She's the job. The queen is the job. Not all this other stuff you see going on around here. Your only job is to take care of the queen. And if you can take care of the queen, you will have done your job well. Can I tell you right now? We get our children caught up in too much stuff that doesn't mean anything. He simply said, be her husband, love your wife, and you will be supporting the queen in the best way you can. That's what we need to tell our daughters, love your king love your husband, be the best wife you can be, support your family, and that's being a queen. Not all this other stuff, this stuff that doesn't matter what other people see, just be a good wife. That's the job. That's the job. And I came to tell you right now, Esther fulfilled her mission in spades. Not only was she a good wife, She was a good queen to the king because she saved him and she saved all her people. Be the best at what God has given you, and everything will come out all right. Can I tell you this? And I'm gone. Jesus Christ came with one singular motion, I mean, uh, one singular notion, and that was he was going to be a good son. We saw him save people, we saw him heal people, and every every time he turned around Casanova, all he did was reflect you back to his mission. He said, I've come to do my father's work. We said, thank you, master, for giving me new sight. Thank you for helping me to walk again. Well, I've come to do my father's bidding. I've come to take care of my father's people. I've come to love you. Why? Because my father sent me to do that. We lose sight of mission. And Jesus never lost sight of the mission that his purpose for coming here was us. Us, you. He came here with you in mind. So if you've been struggling trying to figure out who loves you, if you don't have a Mordecai in your life, if you don't have somebody in your life who's chosen to be the example you need or to show you the character that you need to have, I can tell you there's an example out there, and that example is named Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ can and give you what you need to be the best version of you you can. Can I also tell you this? There are some people in your circle, if you will allow yourself, to learn from them who can teach you how to be your best version. I know we got a lot of people out here whose dad is haven't shown up yet. That's okay. There's enough Mordecai's out there to help you. They they don't have to adopt you. No, they just got to love you. They just got to be the example for you. It happens in churches everywhere. Deacon such and such becomes your example. Reverend such and such becomes your example of the father figure you need to have. If that's what God gives you, thank God for it and utilize it to the best of your ability so you can be who God intended you to be. But don't get stuck on things that don't matter like being cute, no, 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 no. I can tell you right now, cute goes away. No, no, character stays forever. Jesus died for you. How do I know that? Because I know he died for me. And I know he loves you the same as he loved me. He's extended his life, his resurrection, his opportunity for you to live forever. Will you accept his invitation? Will you become a part of his family? Today is the day for you to accept that. I'm told that on our last sermon, And we had a wonderful young lady who decided she was going to become a part of 45th Street. I know there are some others out there decide they want to be a part of our congregation. Yeah, you don't have to come into this place, into this building in order to join our family. The opportunity is here for you to do it right now. Won't you come? Won't you come? May the Lord bless you and keep you and prepare you for whatever your such a time as this is. God bless you. Take care. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.